Hi, and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. It is really great to be with you today as we experiment and try out something totally new. As per usual, I have my ever-elegant uh, co-host with me, Mr. John Sonne. John, how are you doing, brother? Um, wonderful, Eric. Uh, good to be chatting to you as always. I'm really excited about today's episode because it's a brand new opportunity for us to have a conversation with somebody else in our world, and we'll introduce him in a short bit. But if this is the first time you've been uh, logging into the Expansive Podcast, welcome to it. Uh, we do these shows every week, always talking about things that help us expand personally and in our business sense. If you haven't liked us or, or subscribed to one of our channels, please do so. And if you really enjoy the show, please do go and leave us a review either on Spotify or iTunes. Eric, how's your week been looking and uh, what's been happening? Yeah, listen, um, it's really great. We are recording back-to-back this week, um, like busy, busy writing keynotes. It, it feels like it's the usual. Like, like it's, uh, We're back in that space last year where, you know, at, at some point we were like, well, every week's kind of the same thing. We're like, you're writing talks, you're doing, like you're traveling, like it's, it's kind of the same thing over and over. Right. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm back in that space, which is a really great space to be in. Happy yes. to be here. Yes, exactly. Yes, um, exactly. And, and really excited for today's episode as we... Um, you know, we've always said that the expansive is about expanding how you think, how you do things. If anyone has listened to this podcast for any amount of time, they'll know that we've experimented a lot in the name of being expansive. And so today is really us taking another step into uh, the vastness of being expansive. So we uh, decided to invite uh, somebody that I have been watching on stage for many years. I remember the first time I watched Sipiwe Moyo. It was in Santon at the convention center, and he blew the house away. He was funny. He was engaging. He had such a vibe with him. He also does a bit of a dance on stage. And immediately, there was this thing around Sipiwe that was magnetic. And so for the last few years, uh, Eric and I have both been watching Sipiwe grow his brand and do really exceptional work around South Africa. Besides the work that he does that he'll explain to you in a minute, he also comes from incredibly humble beginnings. And for him to have broken out uh, of the township life into this global world of traveling and speaking is just fantastic to watch a, a real child of Africa becoming a global speaker. It's wonderful to have Sipiwe Moya with us today. Uh, Sipiwe, welcome, brother man. Thank you very much, John, a.k.a. Fitness Influencer. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously listened to that podcast. Yes. Thank you. I just gave you kudos on being a global speaker. You went with Fitness Influencer? Was that it? Accurate. Was accurate. that it? Was that all I got? That's it. That's it. If, you, if you're hoping for some other intro or whatever, that's it. That's the only thing I can give. <laughs> oh, wonderful to have you here. Uh, so if you would tell us, what do you do and wh- where, where do you come from? And just give us a quick like synopsis of who you are and what you have to. Cool. Thank you, gents. So I was born in Soweto, but I grew up in some uh, township in the south of Johannesburg called Orange Farm, um, an informal settlement, really, but that has turned into a township. The, the work that I do now is uh, organizational behavior. So I actually teach this subject called organizational behavior at the few business schools um, in 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 South Africa. And, and really the aim is to try and figure out what is the impact of the things that we do as individuals and as teams into organizational effectiveness. Uh, so 
the argument there is that if you want effective organizations, you should really look after individuals because individual effectiveness will then lead to organizational effectiveness. So that's really what I do. Um, I study that, I teach that, uh, and obviously, in the stages that you and I met, I I love keynoting. That's that's the main thing that I really enjoy. And, and tell me, how many books have you written? I've written four books. Um, I I don't market the first one because it was terrible. It was just you know one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really, really bad book. Um, so I, I used a, a metaphor in my first book called Bulls and Bears Life Lessons from the Financial Markets. And everyone missed the fact that it was a metaphor. So and then I got this interesting quiz about trading and so on, which, yeah, it was just didn't work. Okay, well, um, well done. Four books. Uh, I know somebody else on this podcast. I won't be naming any names. Who's also not proud of his first book. And I don't know why, because it was brilliant. Um, his name is Eric. Is but, I mean, your first book was brilliant. And he just doesn't market it. I thought you just said you're not going to name anyone. And then like, you go ahead and like, you um, I, no, I didn't. I mean, there was only three of us on here. It was a bit of an innuendo. Um, uh, listen. Steve, why were you not what, proud what of your... it, Eric, quickly before you go? Why were, you, why were you not proud of your first book? No, man. He, uh, he, uh, he blows it out of proportion. It's, it's not... I uh, I kind of felt like I cheated the first round of, of book writing because my first book okay. was Acton on Verba. So I wrote these daily reflections for like 800 days and then we took the mm. 160 best ones, we compiled them into a book. And yeah, I, I don't know, like I, I just thought by the time the book had come out, I, I'd grown the content in the book and my writing style. Um, yeah, and so since, since then, like John has just like been... Uh, no, 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 no. Me, let me, me tell me. you what the real story is. Wait, let me tell you what the real story is. Eric's a perfectionist. And it was yeah. such brilliant work. But you know, CP, where it happens to all of us, my new book comes out in three months. I was reading it now with the publisher and it felt dated. Mm. And it felt dated because I wrote it a year ago. And I even said to my publisher, is this not dated? And my publisher said, no, this is brilliant. It's like, it's the first time I've read it. I'm like, yo, I've been reading it and thinking it for so long that I think mm. it's like, oh, I don't even know what the world's going to think of it. And Eric's suffering from that. He's like, he, he did such amazing work, but he'd read it so many times. He's like, I'm so just done with this. You know what I mean? I don't want to even think about it. So he didn't give it the credit it required, but he's mm. got his new book coming out. It's taken 12 years to write this new one. And so mm. hopefully this 14, one will- 14. Yeah, 14. Sorry, you're right. 14. <laughs> I was going to try to shave off two years. It's taken 14 years. So- but listen, enough joking around because we've got a mastermind here that we want to unpack and have conversations with, but very much in line with what Eric and I do. Eric obviously works on leadership very much so. I work on futures and psychology. And so this is very slap bang in the, in the sort of center of how we work. But Eric, let me start with you and you can jump in with, with Sipiwe and ask some questions yeah. from your perspective and then we can and roll it out. Well, I think, you know, um, when we had our initial chats, I think what was quite exciting for both of us is that um, Sipiwe speaks a lot about optimism in the workplace. And and that's something that I think we haven't actually explicitly touched on in the podcast before. Um, mm. I think in some ways we we hopefully uh, paint a picture of the future that excites people mm. and that gets them optimistic about the future. But I don't think we've ever touched on it very um, very specifically. So maybe that's the best place to start. Is like when when you mm. hear that optimism in the workplace, like what like where does that conversation start for you? Like what is important there? Yeah, so uh, thank you for that, Eric. You know, it's one of those topics where uh, the executives and the leaders that I work with, when they hear the word optimism, initially it's like, oh God, that sounds very fluffy. It sounds sounds like we must just hug and so on. But optimism really is a very powerful construct. It's about 
um, explanatory style, how we explain whatever is going on in our world. And, and generally the people who end up being a little bit more pessimistic is that they explain whatever adversities and things that they are going through in their world in a pessimistic style. You know, for example, just the idea that all trends eventually end, there's really nothing permanent. So even in a deep that you are in, if you really think about it, we've gone through so many trends around the world, in the world, and you realize that, uh, so the first P really of, of optimism is thinking about whether something's permanent or not. Generally, people who are optimistic. They understand that even when they're in adversity, um, it's it's not going to be permanent, right? Uh, the, se- the second explanatory style is around people believing that whatever they're going through is more pervasive than it should be. So I'm going through something at work, uh, but now I'm carrying this thing as if my family life is also not great, as if everything else is 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 great is not great so we tend to generalize our 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 adversities to a point that they affect everything that that we're going through so it's an explanatory style it's it's really not about uh, many people think people who are optimistic they don't want to face reality uh, they scatter around reality but it's just the way of thinking around what you're going through Wow, I love that. Okay, wait, wait. The two things there you said. Okay, so one, you know that everything doesn't last forever. I think that in itself yes. is deep wisdom. It's like summer doesn't last forever, neither does winter, and it's just a cycle that we're going through. And the second yeah. thing, really, optimism is the way you tell the story about your life. I Absolutely. think that's such a simple way of explaining it. Is you know, some people like to talk about drama, and if their life doesn't have drama, they find the drama and then accentuate that. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. The, the way you storytell, that, that, that's really mm-hmm. good. I remember I made a video many years ago about what movie are you deciding to live in? Are you living in a thriller? You know, are you living in a, you know, a drama, a comedy, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. So yeah, I like that. that that's great. Mm-hmm. Is that how you start off the keynote and explain these concepts around, around it? Sipuwe? I, I do. So, I, you know, I also think that my work has changed pre-COVID and after. And I think mm-hmm. all of us, our work should have changed pre-COVID and after. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, way, the way I used to do my keynotes before, before COVID, if you, if you imagine a, a scale of entertainment this side and teacher that side, I would be leaning towards the entertainment scale. Uh, but after, I, I tend to have to teach uh, I have to go a little bit deeper because people really want practical tools um, on how they can literally just overcome some of the things that we've gone through. And people want a bit of uh, depth into some of these things and give us things that we can use tomorrow when we are not there. Yeah, I love it. Tell me, um, obviously, like when, when you hear optimism, I think one of the things that people might conflate it with or that they might um, immediately start correlating with is, is positive thinking. Right, like so what mm-hmm. like is there a difference for you in your mind between optimism and positive thinking there is there is um in fact in the work that i do we we talk a lot about uh toxic positive thinking in fact uh, that uh, positive thinking can be quite toxic in a sense that it seems to suggest that there is either negative thinking and positive thinking and and we don't think so uh we don't think so in the work that we do we think we think optimism explains better what human beings go through because 
uh, there are some people when you're going through stuff, the last thing you need is someone to say, have positive thinking, because it's like, what are you talking about? What, what is this thing called positive thinking? It's almost like, it sounds like it wants to invalidate what you are going through, uh, as opposed to optimism, understanding that I can sit with whatever I'm going through. Um, it's just, I guess, the story that you tell yourself about whether this thing is permanent or not, or whether this thing is pervasive or not, or, or whether that I'm personalizing it or am I depersonalizing it? So positive thinking can be quite quite toxic. And I think it has been used to deny what people are going through uh, in the workplace as well. So when you call a motivational speaker, that's people come tell them, like, wait, can we just check why people are not feeling uh, the way they're supposed to be feeling? Have you, have you, James, heard of the Stockdale paradox? No. So um, Admiral James Stockdale was a, a prisoner of war, I think, in, in the Vietnam sort of uh, war. And over seven years, he was like being tortured. Um, many of his colleagues died. They, they didn't make it through. But after seven years, he finally he was released um, and he lived to tell the tale. And when they said to him, you know, how did you do this? Like, how did you sustain yourself through all of the hardships and the torture and watching your friends around you perish? He said that you have to learn to cultivate the discipline of confronting the brutal facts of reality whilst always keeping your eyes on the horizon. And that's kind of what this sounds like to me. It's like, you know, optimism isn't just I look at the horizon all the time. I'm also I'm confronting the brutal facts. But it, I think that's the paradox. Like you have to have both. It's not just one or the other. If you only confront the brutal facts of reality, it's going to be very depressing very soon. If you only look towards the future then you are neglecting to look at reality and you can't change yourself into the future. You need to change what's happening here today. So you need to have both. Um, and I think very often like the positive thinking guys, they just live in the future. They, they never have the courage really to confront what's happening today. Yeah, very good. I like that paradox. Yeah, very, very good. I mean, I, I'll go one step further and say that healing your memories changes your way you tell your story as well. And, you know, I, I do this, this chat around the development of intuition that we need to start developing as AI starts to take over our intelligence. And most people say that, you know, intuition is gut feel. And yes, they are right that it is gut feel, but gut feel is often tainted by traumatic memories and stories that we carry with us. And so I think for us to really become optimistic in a pure form of optimism, we have to heal a lot of our memories, a lot of our past trauma. So we are released of them and not triggered by them because they then taint. And then what happens is when they taint our reality is we try and escape them and become positive thinkers. And this is where toxic positivity comes from is because we don't know how to deal with that trauma. So we go to the other extreme that everything is golden. And so it's, a, it's, it's almost, it's a necessity to heal the past, to have a natural optimistic viewpoint. And I don't think many people think about their futures linked to their past because that's what memories do. You know, they linger with you for far too long if you haven't healed them. So I think that's great. And so Sibiru, just unpack for us a little bit more. So what are the different points that you take them through? Is it an acronym? How, how do you go about explaining this optimism at work? So we we explain optimism generally through through the through the three P's. So think about it whether whether something is permanent or not. Think about whether it's pervasive or not, and also think about whether the adversity that you are going through is uh, personalized or not. So people with so people sometimes 
attribute negative things that have happened to you and they personalize them so much. So you chart a business idea, it fails and you say you are a failure. So, 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 so that's very, very dangerous to your self-esteem and the ability to try again and again. So the idea of failing forward is not going to work if you personalize failure too much. So we, we, we chat about that. And, and, and interestingly, there's a lot of work about, uh, I think it was Martin Seligman who came up with some acronym on how you can literally try and have a different attribute uh, style of thinking about what is going through. So he takes them through the so-called A to E model that if you think about your adversity, which is A, your belief about that adversity uh, will definitely impact the consequence that you have. So let's say, let's say there's a digital transformation uh, strategy at work, and unfortunately, 50 of you have been affected. Your jobs become redundant because of the digitization and automation. Um, so that's the adversity you've been made redundant. Your belief about the adversity is: I've never been able to hold on to a job. I'm really stupid. I'll never survive. So that's a really negative uh, attribute to what is going on. And then it leads you to a negative consequence where you, you can start go down, downward spiral and really, really be in a very bad space. Uh, what, we, what we then do is using a, a, a strategy called disputation, which is uh, just go back and find out what the real reason was for this. So disputation is not denial. It's not like um, I was not retrenched, but it's going back and say, Come on, dude, if 50 of you have been let go uh, because of digital transformation, surely it's not because you are stupid, right? And if you successfully dispute that, it then leads to this energization that someone has to, which is E, that, wow, I can literally just go and launch my comeback at work. I can launch a business because suddenly I've managed to depersonalize what has been going on. And and, and so that's such a, a powerful way. If you can manage to help someone go through that, they'll be able to, to go and launch a business. And I think this is what happens with people who, who, who start businesses because maybe they've been faced by adversity, maybe they've been retrenched, is that they've depersonalized that experience and said, this is not me. And therefore they're able to to go hustle and try something else. Mm. It's very much a coaching approach, right? Um, because you, you actually, you're getting them to think about their thinking. It's, mm-hmm. That's the, the, what that whole model ultimately takes you through. It's like, here's your thinking about the situation. So think about your thinking. And then when we can change that, then um, ultimately leads to more optimism. That's exactly what I it guess. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Interrogate your thinking. I think it's uh, Adam Grant, right? Uh, his book, Think About Thinking, like think about your thinking. I think that's really a powerful process to follow. Eric, what's, uh, what, what do you speak about when it comes to leadership and optimism? Is there anything that comes into the work that you do? Um, you know, I think when I, so when I was looking at this now, I think um, there's no, I don't speak about optimism in any specific way, but I do think that even looking at the three Ps, you know, so like uh, something being uh, permanent, permanent or pervasive or persuasive, yeah, pervasive. Um, even when you look at that, that speaks to things like resilience, for example, right? Like there's actually a bit of a crossover here, like for me, is that um, if we can realize that things will come and go, if we can realize that things are isolated to one area of my life, not a reflection of everything in my life, and if we can realize that it isn't always, um, like I didn't create it, it's not because of me, but, but in the same breath saying like, uh, what is under my control and what isn't, like the moment we can do all of those things, I think we... Uh, become more resilient, we become more effective. And I think it's through those processes that we start 
cultivating optimism anyway, because, you know, if you can see that you are having an effect in the world, then there's reason to be optimistic. If you feel like you are just a victim all the time and that what you do has no consequence, it's very yeah. easy to go the opposite route. What would be the opposite yeah. for you of optimism? Well, op- opposite of optimism. Well, pessimism. You, yeah. no, why would be the opposite? Yeah. Huh? Why yeah. wouldn't it be pessimism? It's quite an open question. I mean, isn't it an obvious answer? I'm, I'm, th- I'm trying to yeah. think. Are you trying no, to catch no, me no, out? Now that you mention it. Are you I trying mean... to catch me out? Yeah, like what, why are you asking? What's the opposite you know, of I'm asking, I'm asking two right. thought leaders. I thought I'd get a more interesting question. <laughs> a more interesting answer I don't know, that. but I know you, Eric. I don't know if you're coming to the field here, bro. Where's the creativity? Where's the creativity? Okay, Sipi, let's hand it over to Sipiwe. Let's have another Sipiwe. What's the opposite of optimism, Sipiwe? Yeah, you know, when someone asks that, you always think there should be a deeper answer. And, and yeah, 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 I, I exactly. It's it's one of those. I I think that the 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 obvious one is that the opposite of optimism is pessimism. Um, but what I love, what I love about some of the work that is emerging in in the field is, is that there's also something called land optimism, that that you know um you can actually learn um how to be slightly optimistic so sometimes if you if you if you if you're chatting with someone who's quite predisposed to to to, to pessimism predisposed to negativity and so on and you try to move them straight into this optimism world it just sounds so far-fetched uh, that sometimes all you need is this idea of land optimism to just probably ask someone to think about their thinking, right? Um, even though your your predisposition is that um, I have this event that is happening, generally I go straight into being pessimism. Uh, you can learn and cultivate your own optimism, which is a slight shift into a different style of thinking rather than your negative style of thinking. And, you know, and I, I suppose that's somewhere in the middle. I, I, I relate it to fitness. It's almost like, you know, if you're out of breath when running, you're not fit enough. And so you need to run slower. You can't run a marathon straight away, but you can run two kilometers, three kilometers. This is exactly the same. It's emotional fitness that we're looking for, mental fitness, because mm. if you're always anxious and if you're always frustrated, you're unfit. You've just not done the work in that space. And I think that mm. everybody has the opportunity to move incrementally towards a more fit mental and emotional states. And I think that's a, that's an obvious that everybody should know that it's out there, that you're not just stuck there forever. You know, and most people, when you're in that dark hole, you think you're just stuck there forever and that's just who you are. And the truth is it's not, you know, CPO, can you give me some examples uh, maybe of some organizations that, so let's say some of our listeners work for organizations and I imagine many of them have an issue with victim sort of thinking inside their businesses or just a lack of optimism. What would you say some actionable points would be besides listening to your talk or booking you for the talk? What would be the actionable points for these organizations to take on to change maybe behavior or habit? Yeah, thank you so much, for John. I think for me, the, the, the first thing that we need to think about is the kind of leadership we have in an organization. So, so most of the time, you, I get asked to come and infuse some kind of optimism in the team. And, and my always initial point is that, you know, sometimes the reason people don't seem to be optimistic is really probably not about them. So you have to reflect deeply as as a leadership on whether you've also removed 
removed certain barriers to performance that could be causing a lack of optimism in the team. So let's think about some of the barriers uh, that we as a leadership team could impose. So no matter how motivated we are, there are certain things that we just can't outperform as, as, as people. So do I have the tools to do what I'm supposed to do? Uh, do I know what is expected of me? Does my leader give me feedback? Um, do, do I have training to do the work that I, is the environment conducive? So I always just try and force them to think about before you try and, you know, look after whatever you think people are pessimistic about, can you just reflect on what have we done as leaders to create an environment that makes optimism easier? Yeah. And once we've mm. done that, then we can be able to, to chat about, okay, Okay, maybe let's help people cultivate their own optimism. This reminds me of uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits. And one of the things he says is that all the habits that you want to increase, make it as easy as possible to access. And I promise you, this is one of them. I have bottles mm-hmm. of water all over my house because if I don't have bottles of water all over my house, I don't drink. I forget. And the minute I've got water around me, I, I just drink. So I love that. It's, like just cre- it's, it's as simple as making the environment more conducive to optimism. I mean, that, you couldn't get more simple than that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, but it's one of those things that I think, you know, they always, it's easy to say it's hard to implement because uh, there are so many things that are important for us to try and get right in this sort of new uh, way of doing things. I was speaking to a, a client this morning um, and just the the struggle they are having with like hybrid workforce and like, you know, like you, mm. you try and... and um, you try and like set up the remote guys in a better way. And the guys who are coming to the office are unhappy about that. And you, you like, you do something for the guys in the office and the guys who are just mainly working remotely, they get unhappy about that. So like you have this like tug of war Constant, all the time. Yeah. And like, it feels like your environment that you're creating isn't just, you know, you come to the office and that's the environment. Like your environment is now spreading into the digital world, maybe even spreading into the metaverse pretty soon. But like you have to control for all of that. Like that becomes very, very challenging. Yeah, you're right. Eh? But, My argument there would be just don't talk about your team. Talk to them. One of the things that I that I realized, I mean, I was facilitating a team effectiveness session just um, on Thursday last week. And it's incredible. Then so when you when you when you talk to your team members and ask them what would be conducive for you. It's just amazing. It puts a lot of pressure off you and people can actually tell you what it means for them. Mm. But I think we put ourselves under so much pressure as leadership to try and figure out, I wonder what would be, what, just talk to your people and ask them what would really create an environment uh, for you, a great environment for you. And and people, some of the things that came up in, in the session was, um, you know, I I value flexibility. So, you know, going back to the office, it's really killing my morale. But there are other people who do want to go back to the office because they have kids at home. So can you just ask us um, what what you want to do, what I want to do, what the other person wants to do, and then try and meet us halfway. And maybe, maybe then co- coordinate some of those days where we do some deep work and team cohesiveness work where we all go to the office. But I just think it would put so, uh, it would relieve us of pressure to just talk to people instead of talking about them. Mm. So smart. You know, I love, I love everything you said to people because it's so practical and simple and to the point. I mean, that's, that's really what wisdom is. It's the, it's the practicality and simplicity of it that I think we just get too sort of caught up in the, you know, the fluffy stuff and, and, and not really getting down to the basics. 
I think that's fantastic. Uh, Eric, have you got any more questions? I think we've yeah, reached no, our time. Yeah, I think it's time yeah. for us to wrap. Um, obviously, we could uh, go on uh, speaking to Superior for much longer here. I think there's uh, a lot to still uncover. But I think maybe as a final question, um, before you tell us about where people can find out more about you, websites and all those kind of things, um, if you had to give someone a bit of advice about how they can live a more expansive life, what would that be? I think for me, it will be uh, maybe cultivating curiosity and and finding yourself and creating, intentionally creating uh, spaces for you to be curious. In other words, um, hang out with people who are just as who are so smart in this podcast that it makes it makes you after this you go and Google and stuff and say what was that what was that I don't know about that <laughs> um, like like the guy you were just talking about telling us about this uh, optimism and and what happened then you go and Google so just find yourself in 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 ways that will really provoke your curiosity. And I guess if you provoke your curiosity, then it will help uh, live that expansive life that you guys uh, are charging that. us to do. I, I love that. But I want to ask, I want to actually ask one question. Nice. What, what, because I've heard you speak about your friends on the train from yeah. Orange Village into, into where, and they're still the same guys on the same train complaining about the same things. And here you are living this incredible life. Uh, I guess you earn more than they do in one talk than they do in the whole month, right? I mean, I, I often think about you and, and and how amazing it must be to have come from that world into this world and how you're mm. growing in this world. What do you think makes you that successful? What is what is the the one thing that you might have? And do you think it is curiosity or do you think it's something else? I, I think it is something else. And I think... Um, I think, so I'm really committed to this lifelong learning, but I don't think that's it. You know, I just think there is a certain mindset that I managed to to get very early on and the mindset about uh, just taking charge and taking responsibility for your own life uh, for me was a huge catalyst to some of the changes that I've seen. And, and, and you know, this message has a bit of controversy because people say, uh, you know, it's pure now that you... Uh, but now it's you, easy to say you know, Yeah. Yeah. Now it's easy to say, yeah, it, but you know, easy. if you, if you, it's, it's, it's a little bit easy to say, it, but I managed to, to get hold of that mindset while I was yes. still in that, in that kind of an environment. And I think yes. instead of dismissing, sometimes people do that because they say, why should I succeed against all odds? Surely odds should be removed. And I think they're right. So there is an element where we shouldn't have people who are fighting and succeeding against all odds. We should have, uh, you know, remove as, as many of these odds as possible for as many people to succeed as possible. But the problem is you just can't wait for someone to remove those odds against you. While you are fighting, while you are doing this, you got to have to just take responsibility and try to uh, to change the things that you are going through and change your life in in spite of those of those odds. And I think that's what made a difference. Yeah, well, I can definitely tell you it's uh, definitely changed the trajectory of your life and your family's life and your kids' kids' lives. I mean, I think it's fantastic that you have uh, been able to break through and uh, really been succeeding in such a fantastic way. Thank you for joining us today, Sipue, as our first uh, conversational guest. Um, you, uh, you've definitely taught me a couple things. Uh, I'm really, I'm really happy to have learned these things and maybe even my own life. Maybe I think I personalized one or two things too much and I could do better uh, at that scenario. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you very much. 
Yeah, so, Pee-wee, um, if, if someone wanted to learn more about the work that you do or uh, if they wanted to find out more about optimism in the workplace, where do they go? Um, my website is cpuemoyo.com and I have some really good resources, my links, particularly on LinkedIn. Um, hang out with me. I'm sure you'll learn a few Perfect. things. And we will make sure to link all of that as well. As, uh, as and if you're lucky do. enough, and if you're lucky enough, uh, you might find Sipiwe dancing on his Facebook page. <laughs> and Sipiwe has got an incredible <laughs> dancing face because his face that he pulls is always makes me laugh. And it's just, yeah, there it is. There it is. It's that face. I don't know what emotion is behind that face, but it's one that's having a lot of fun. So, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, guys, on the Expansive Podcast uh, as we trialed and experiment with uh, new ways to add value to bring more expansiveness into our thinking and into the way we lead our lives, both personally and in business. Please do leave us a review. We're on our way to our 200th review on iTunes and Spotify. It's always great to hear more from you guys. And thank you for everybody who's already been uh, giving us such great reviews. Eric, I'm out next week. I start to begin my journey back to Dubai and then straight after that into Egypt and then to Zurich. So I've got an exciting couple of weeks ahead of me. I'm really excited about them. What's your next couple of weeks looking like, Eric? Good. Um, I have no idea. I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> there Good we go, night. Eric. Plan, plan, tomorrow plan bring. for success. Plan for success. <laughs> What's happening next week? I have no idea. Well, that was good. That's a good way to end. Thanks, guys. Chat to you later. Everyone.